Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we start our sermon today, I wanted to do something. I wanted to have a a Mother's Day prayer. Um, What I'd like you to do, if your mom is here or, you know, you're sitting next to a mom, maybe reach out, put your hand on her. If you've got to move seats, buddy, you better get to it. Yeah, that's way too far. So if you've got to stretch out, you can't. If your mom is, is not here today and she has passed or she just couldn't make it today, go ahead and place your hand over your heart as we remember our moms and pray for the ones that are here today and the ones who have gone before us. So will you, will you pray? My mom's traveling, so she, she just abandoned me up here. But I'm just kidding. Sorry, Mom, I know you're watching. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray. He- Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for our mothers. We thank you for all those times that it was Mom who, uh, who understood our tears, who comforted us in those disappointments, and who calmed our fears. Lord, we thank you for our moms and the times we laughed and played and smiled. We thank you for the times it was moms who helped us dream, who helped us along life's way and gave us the confidence that we needed to be able to take that next step. Thank you for mom, for her steadfast love, for the way she cares for us. So Lord Jesus, bless her care for her, give her strength, fill her with joy and wisdom and love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for my mom. We pray this in your name. Amen. Our text today comes to us from John chapter 10, where Jesus is once again comparing himself to the good shepherd. Throughout scripture, we have been promised that shepherds would watch over us, Jesus being the good shepherd. And I find it to be a fitting metaphor. I also find it to be a fitting metaphor for moms today. As just like the shepherd is always working, is always patient, is always joyful, is dedicated to us, and gives us life, so do moms. So let's pull out our Bibles, or you can follow along in that John chapter 10. The verses will, of course, appear magically behind me on the screen. But if you want to follow along in your bulletin or your Bible, you can do that as well. And this is from John chapter 10. Then came the festival of dedication in Jerusalem. Winter, Jesus in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. Now the feast of dedication is also known as Hanukkah. It celebrated the cleansing and the rededication of the temple after three years of desecration when Antiochus Epiphanes, who was king of Syria, invaded and destroyed it. When he attacked Jerusalem, he instituted a reign of terror upon the Jews of the city, stealing millions in gold and silver from the temple treasury, saying that possessing a copy of the Old Testament law was punishable by death, that circumcising a child was punishable by death, and including any mother who did that to their child, He turned the temple into a house of prostitution, turned it into an altar unto the Greek God where pigs were sacrificed, and along the way killed over 80,000 Jews and an equal number of them sold into slavery. And then it was, of course, the rise of the Maccabees that ended these horrors. And it's told, and perhaps you've heard the story, that when the temple had been purified and the great seven-branched candlestick was relit, there was only one little portion of unpolluted oil that could be found. And because it was still intact, still had that seal, the impress of the ring of the high priest, it was the only one. And by all normal measures, that oil would have only been enough to light the lamps for a single day, but it lasted for eight days until the new oil could be created and used again. 
That's Hanukkah. But back to the text. It would seem that this confrontation between Jesus and the religious leaders, or Jews, as John always refers to them in the temple courts, happened this time when Jesus isn't even teaching. He's just kind of walking along in Solomon's colonnade, which is that little portico that ran along the east outer court of the temple. And it's here in the book of Acts where we'll see later on that Peter is going to address the crowd after he and John healed the man who had been lame for his whole life. It's here also where the Jewish believers who believed in Jesus as the Christ would give witness and gather and praise him. And just a side note, because I like walking, maybe you do too, I got to think that Jesus, he was the guy who would have hit his 10,000 steps. Can I get an amen? I mean, the guy was always walking with his disciples or on his own. When he was walking, something's happening. Really, life is happening, right? Whether he stops as he's walking and asks a question, does a miracle, is going to a place that needs him, offers a teaching or a parable, it's always a good thing when walking. So it might not be too much of a stress today or a stretch today to say, let us never underestimate the power of a walk, a family walk. If you're like me, you like to go on family walks and look for cats. But take a walk with mom today. Maybe hold her hands. No phones. Just walking and talking. Last minute gift idea for you, sir. And so, uh, yeah, let's get back to the text. This is verse 24. The Jews who were gathered there around him saying, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answers, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The Jews refuse to listen to or believe in Jesus. And here we can see that they're hoping to blame their unbelief on him. They're asking this question because maybe they want him to declare himself king of the Jews so that they can go and run to the governor and say, look, 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 like they're going to do a little while later. And here the Jews are also saying, all the miracles that you have done account for nothing. So I find it very interesting that Jesus ridiculously plainly says, I have told you. Go back to John 3 with me, where he says, I am the one who came down from heaven. Where he says, I am the one, whoever believes in me shall have eternal life. Go to John chapter 5 and you will find him saying, I am the unique son of God. I will judge all humanity. That you should honor me just as God For I and he are one. In John chapter 5 again where he says that the Hebrew scriptures speak and point to him. In John chapter 7 where he says I perfectly reveal God the Father to you as his son. In John chapter 8 where he says I always please God my Father and I have never sinned. In John chapter 8 again where he says that he is uniquely sent from God. Where he says even before Abraham was, I was. In John chapter 9, when he says, I am the Son of Man, prophesied by Daniel. In John chapter 10, where he says, I will raise myself from the dead. Jump back again to John chapter 6. We missed one. I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, I'm the light of the world. John chapter 10, I am the door. John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. See, the problem wasn't that Jesus was unclear about who he was and where he came from. The problem was that the religious leaders had hearts of unbelief because Jesus wasn't the Christ they wanted. The works Jesus did demonstrated that he was from God, that he was true to his word. In fact, the works done in the Father's name show us exactly 
the Christ that God sent to us and how much he loves us. So again, the problem wasn't that Jesus was unclear about who he was and where he came from. The problem was that these religious leaders had hearts of unbelief because Jesus was not the Christ that they wanted. They knew, but they did not want Jesus as their Messiah. Didn't want what Jesus offered, didn't want to be known by Jesus, loved by Jesus, or saved by Jesus. And unfortunately, this is sadly nothing new for the people of God. The prophets themselves experienced this too. Here's from Jeremiah chapter 5. Lord, do not your eyes look for truth. You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. I thought these are only the poor. They're foolish, for they don't know the way of the Lord, the requirements of God. So I'll go to the leaders and speak to them. Surely the leaders will know the way of the Lord, the requirements of God. But with one accord, they too had broken off the yoke and torn off the bonds. They had eyes but did not see, had ears but did not want to hear. And this is not just a danger that the people of God faced back then. It's also one that each and every one of us face today. To hear what we want to hear, to see only what we want to see. I think about our phones. I think about the personalness of our phones. All those articles, our Instagram feeds, the podcasts, the ads, the stories, the pictures that are designed for us, sent to us, chosen based on what we ourselves have looked at and liked before, also that we can get even more of what we want. I'll go so far as saying that even with the algorithms getting told what we want to be told, or in some cases, told what they want us to believe. And they dress it up very smartly, don't they? So that we will not know the difference. If you find yourself wanting to read about people with a certain viewpoint, well then, endless amounts of articles to read. Yes, friends, do not make any mistake. We are in danger of seeing what we want to see and hearing what we want to hear. And taken to the next step, it's only a little while before we become people who want to only be around people who think and look like us. Allowing a face on a box or a face on a screen, the time and the power to convince us that this feeling inside of us is right, it's okay. How this and only this is what you should care about. Only this is what you should do. And all along, it is the sheep us who have forgotten about the voice of the shepherd, finding ourselves turning to our own voice or to the voice that shouts the loudest. And this just cannot happen. Not for disciples of Jesus who are called the salt and light of this world. Yeah, it is the good shepherd, the loving good shepherd whose voice comforts us and soothes us, but it is also the voice of the good shepherd who challenges us and demands holiness from us and love in action. If our role in this society is to be salt and light, it is our role then to engage with the world, not in a way that shouts and fight, but one that gives witness to the glory of God, to the hope that we have in him. And I know I'm getting off track here, and this is kind of bringing in a little bit to this text here, but the time is now to stop going with the flow and keeping our heads down, just hoping for the best. The time is now to be concerned with who we are meant to be. 
That scripture from the Apostle Paul that we who have been consecrated to God to be who we are meant to be, to be concerned more with generosity in a time of financial hardship, to be more concerned with care and trusting in God than what is out there. It starts with words and works, words and works of love. Learning how to be people who speak in kindness and humility, not ones who just have all the right answers. How to be confident of what we believe and to be loving, even to those who disagree with us. But again, I'm missing the focus of the text. It's not about us. It's today about what the shepherd does. So this piece about being his sheep, we're not just random sheep to whoever would say, I am a shepherd, but to Jesus' sheep. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. I'm reminded of a story I read in a devotional once. You know, when you are a child at the beach and you've gone a little too far on a crowded day and you're trying to make it back to mom or dad, but you can't find them, they're not looking for the people who have the best beach bod. They're not looking for the one who is the tannist or who brought the biggest bag of Doritos. The little child will walk past every single one of those because they are looking for one person, their person, listening for one voice, the one that they belong to. There are many voices and choices and turns that we could take. But where do we belong? We belong to the shepherd. And I get if you found yourself sitting on someone else's towel recently or you find yourself struggling to swim because of whatever waves or seagulls are attacking you. I get it. I've been there too a few times. And it's hard when we think we're all alone. It's hard for moms having to balance it all. To care for those around you, to work, to give to look a certain way, to be a certain someone. It's the shepherd. The, tep- the shepherd does not ever tell us who we are supposed to be, but rather he tells us plainly, we are his. The shepherd's voice is radically different than everyone else's because it is a voice who tells you exactly who you are, not who you are supposed to be. Not how you're supposed to think or what you're supposed to do. It's his voice and it is the shepherd himself who will secure your needs, provide for you, find you, and put you on the path of righteousness. Has promised to deliver you. Has promised to be with you always. To bring you home. To put his spirit in you. To do good. To grow. To pray. Is that not what we just sang? Is that not what the psalmist says in Psalm 23? Go back and look at that text from Psalm 23. We're all part of one flock, but he cares for us individually. My shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, and I will dwell with him. Text continues in John where it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one 
can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. Don't know how much time you've let those verses sink in, but do it. Let them sink deep into your soul. Let them become a part of you. Because those words may be very plain, but they are powerful. Because those are the words of the voice of the shepherd. A voice telling you. For the shepherd himself calls us, speaks to us, lets us know that we are known. Known. Known deeply. What defines you is not that you know God, but that He knows you. That He has taken note of you. Look what He says in Psalm 39. You've searched me, Lord. You know me. You know even when I sit and when I rise. You even perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my laying down. Lord, you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. And it is you, Lord, who has hemmed me in, behind and before. It is you, Lord, who lays his hand upon me. Where can I go, Lord, from your spirit? Where can I even flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand guides me. Your right hand holds me tight. For you created my inmost being, knit me together in my mother's womb. Lord, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I know that full well my frame was never hidden from you. But from the beginning, you wove me together. That, that is the kind of known that each one of us sits here today as. And I think if you're sitting next to a mom, you probably know that that's the kind of a mother and the way that she knows her children. Moms know us not because they track our phones, but because they care. Because they tirelessly give and provide. So today is Mother's Day and we thank them. And today, today we leave here knowing that we are truly known and loved. Being truly loved and known is what fills us. And so I'll close with this. The voice of your good shepherd, your Jesus, offers to you the way of life, eternal life, and a way of love. And his promise to you is that no one, no voice, nothing can ever snatch you out of his hand. What he has done for you on the cross is the final word for your salvation. And he, Jesus, says that you belong to him. And he, Jesus, promises to hold onto you. For the very hands that created this world hold on to you in love. Amen.